Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. So with that, I got a new message that I want to go into now. And today, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to read one scripture. We're going to pray and seat you. And then we're going to get into our word for today. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. Apostle Paul's writing a letter to the church of Corinth. And he says this. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Let's take a moment and pray. I'm going to preach this message that I'm calling deeper into health, deeper into health. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this incredible moment of worship that we've already had. We thank you, God, because we feel your presence right out here in the open air, in the parking lot of this place, Lord God, right in the heart of Vista. Father, I just pray that for the next few moments, we lean in to what your spirit is saying. I pray, Father, that we would hear your word, and not just corporately, but individually. I pray that your Holy Spirit would deposit an individual word, something that we need to hear, something that our our, our life is needing right now. Would you do that, Father? And We block off every distraction. We shut down all the noise, and we just lean into what you have to say right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands, everybody. Let's talk about going deeper into health. Let me talk to some of the parents or maybe even the aunties and the uncles in the tent here today. First and foremost, it's a good day. That Do me a favor. Just kind of look around right now. Just, man, Lighthouse, I love seeing all the beautiful faces here today. It's good to see you all here. Peter, it's good to have you back. I see you back there. Anyway, it's good to see everybody here. I'm sorry. Sometimes when you're on this stage, you just see things and you just have to like, man, this is a good day. But anyway, let's talk about health. For all the parents and the aunts and the uncles that are in the room, don't you have a favorite stage in a child's development? We all have our favorite stage. Some of you love it when they're the newborns. It's like that zero to three months. Okay? Let me give you my favorite. I love it when a kid is somewhere between eight months to 11 months. Like for me, that's the sweet spot right there. That, 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 they're old enough not to talk yet. <laughs> How do you know that once they start talking, they don't stop? Yeah, all the parents are like, yep, uh-huh. Get my son Jude talking about football. Get ready, because he will just talk and talk and talk and talk. So they're, they're, they're not quite old enough to talk, but they're old enough to let you know when they made a mess in their diaper. All right, they're, they're just old enough to let you, when they're too young, they just leave you guessing, you know what I mean? And then you're like, oh my God, kid's rash. How long has he been sitting in it? Anyway, so it's like they, every kid's got their stage. And, and again, 8 to 11 for me, that, that's just gold. I love that stage. And, and, and now I'm watching my kids grow and develop, and they're, they're well past that stage. And, and, and sometimes I miss that stage because, like I said, um, that stage is a great stage. But, uh, you know, I've got, I've got a boy who's about to be a, he's a preteen. He's going to be 12 in just two weeks. My son, Jaden. Let's get it for Jaden. He's actually controlling the screens right now here in church. 11 years old, running the tech in the church. I love it. I love it. Um, and so, but I, I, I've seen, you know, I got a preteen. I've got another one who's in second grade, another one who's in kindergarten. So I've seen all these different stages in the life of a child. And my point that I'm getting to is simply this. I, I've realized that all a kid needs in order to develop in a healthy way is that they would just be surrounded by a healthy environment. And that's the first thing that I want you to note. Healthy things grow, okay? Healthy things grow. And, and so it's, it's my job to make sure that my, my children have both an, an internal health and an external health. How many know the external is important, equally important? Mom and dad, make sure your child have an externally healthy environment and make sure that also internally to the best of your God-given and God-expected abilities that you would create an environment of health. Because here's the deal. When things are healthy, they grow. 
If things are healthy, they are just going to grow naturally. Now, this is even true in business. If you have a healthy culture, guess what's going to happen? That business is going to grow. But if you have a toxic culture, buckle up. It's just a matter of time before that thing goes south. And so we're always trying to get things, businesses, people to this place of health. And, and, and I say all of that because as we go into today's conversation about getting to a place of deeper health, what I really want to talk to you about today is that we, if we can get these things healthy, then we begin to grow. All right. So there's three areas that we're going to talk about. Number one, we're going to talk about your finances. Tell your neighbor finances. All right. Then we're going to talk about your physical health. Uh Oh, buckle up. All right. And then lastly, we're going to talk about emotional health. And again, all of this segues from last Sunday's message about going deeper into rest. Now, today's a great day for notes because I do have to go wide and I don't have an opportunity to deep dive into each one, which is kind of ironic given my sermon title, you know, the sermon series deeper. But um, in the interest of time, I'm going to hit you with a whole bunch of stuff. But if you take good notes, I promise you, you're going to get a good, you're going to get a lot of good information. And, and the reason I'm going to talk about financial, emotional, and physical health is these three things are linked. They really are. And if you get healthy in one area, you'll begin to, you'll see that compound into other areas as well. There's, there's this residual health that happens when one thing gets healthy, the other thing will get healthy as well. That, that's why I'm talking about these all together. So let, let's, let's dive into financial health, okay? Now, now, I'll also say last November, I preached a message called the seven pillars of financial wisdom. That message is something that you should go back and listen to. If what I said today is like, man, that, that's making a lot of sense, but I need a little more, then go back to last November, grab that on YouTube, and you can go even deeper into some of the stuff about health that I'm going to talk about today. Now, now, when we talk about financial health, the reason this affects your emotional health and your physical health, let me hit you with three big things. The number one cause of worry and anxiety is money. Number one cause, Okay. It ain't your spouse, all right? The number one cause of worry and anxiety. It ain't your kids. The number one cause of worry and anxiety. It ain't your crazy boss. The number one cause of worry and anxiety is money. We, we, we get all anxious when it comes to money. Even now, some of y'all getting anxious. Like, oh, man, pastor's going to talk about money. Don't talk about money. I came to hear the gospel. Now you get all spiritual, right? Preach to me, Jesus, pastor. What be, that's just because, you know, I, I found that most people have a hard time talking about money because their money's unhealthy. Most people whose money is healthy don't have any problem talking about money. And, and I don't know if you know this, but the Bible talks a whole lot about money as well. And, co- and, 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 and the reason why is because we worry about money so much. So the Bible talks to money as, a lot. 70% of American households live paycheck to paycheck. I don't know if you knew that. of American households, which also happens to be the richest country in this world, live paycheck to paycheck, which means you are one, (laughs) you are one bad day away from being in a big problem. Like you're one financial bad day away from being in a big, big problem. And lastly here, 57 marriages end in divorce. I don't know how true that stat is, but of all the marriages that end in divorce, one of the primary reasons they end in divorce is money. It's money. So we, we, we got to get our money right if we're going to overcome anxiety. We got to get our money right if we're going to overcome this living paycheck to paycheck. We got to get our money right if we're going to get our marriages right. So, so, so what do we do? Well, number one, we're going to trust God with our finances. Tell your neighbor, trust God. That is so key. You, you, you have got to trust God, not, not, your, own, not your own understanding, I don't care what your diploma says. I don't care where you got your degree from. You got to trust God with your finances. And trusting God looks like something. When I look at your bank account, I should see that you are a person who trusts God simply by the way you spend your money. Got real quiet in the tent. What do you mean, Pastor Josh? Well, if I don't see you tithing, and if I don't see you bringing offering, if I don't see you giving to God... I have a hard time believing that you actually trust God because the Bible teaches us simply this, that wherever your treasure is, Matthew 6, 21, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. Now, now, I can look at your bank statement and I'll know what is important to you. 
because your spend is going to follow. So if you're like, like a guy that's all into the gym and health and fitness, I'm probably going to see a gym membership in there, probably going to see all the shakes and the supplements and the hundreds of dollars that you're dropping. Hey, and there's nothing wrong with that. It just lets, I can see it in your spend. I could see it in your spend. And so if you trust God, it looks like something in your bank account. If you trust God, it's evident that you are a person that tithes to the local church. You are a person that gives offering to the local church. Why? Because the church is ran exclusively and entirely by what the church brings to God. And when we talk about tithing, we need to frame it up the right way. And that is we give to God through the local church. This is why when I sense that the church is in need of money, the person that I talk to about it is not you. I first have a conversation with God because I trust God with the finances. So I pray to God and I said, God, we've got this going on. And then I'll come have a conversation with you. But I will never tell you what you should give or what amount you should be giving. But I will unapologetically tell you, you know, we're getting ready to pick up an offering. Would you go have a conversation with God? And have him tell you what you should be given. And if God's genuinely telling you don't give anything, I'm not going to mess with you about it. But, but would you give according to what God has purposed in your heart to do? You know, today's a very special day because there is a church out in Fredonia, New York, that is launching. And I want to let you guys know that part of the reason they are launching is because of your generosity. Give yourselves a round of applause because we help launch Gospel Church. And we sent them a $5,000 check to go and help them launch a church out there in Fredonia, New York. And so, again, we give to God through the local church. And so if you trust God with your money, we're going to see it in your bank account. Number two, okay, the second thing you got to do is you have to steward your finances. Someone say steward. This is, this is a big shift for you, and I'm just going to hit you with this statement. Stop treating your money like it's yours to spend and start treating it like it is God's to steward. One more time. Stop treating your money like it's yours to spend and start treating it like it is God's to steward. When, when, when you know everything that I have I have because God has given it to me. Then you live from this posture. Then now I have to steward what God has given me. Trust me. If you treat your money like it's yours to spend, you'll have no more to spend because you'll run out. But, but when you treat your money, when you steward your money, when, when, when you steward it as if, you know what, this is God's money that he has given to me, to manage. There's this Proverbs 27, 23. It says this, be sure to know the condition of your flocks. For all my investor in the, investors in the room, you can also say, be sure to know the condition of your stocks. Give careful attention to your herds. The Bible says that it's a good thing a wise person would know the condition of their finances. A wise person knows what's in the bank account and they give careful attention to all the wealth that God has given them. And so when you are a person who stewards, this is what good stewards do. They invest their money. They don't just spend their money. How many of the difference between investing and spending? There's a big difference between invest. And there's nothing wrong with spending. I'm just trying to teach you that you shouldn't spend it all. You, you, when the money comes in, that you have a budget, that you have a plan, and, there's, and you're telling your money where to go. Your money's not telling you where to go. You ever met anyone who lives where their money is dictating them what they get to do? Well, let me go check the bank account, see if I can take the wife out to dinner. It's date night. I spent all my money gambling on the game I lost. I thought Green Bay was going to win. Ouch, okay. I, I said I wouldn't go there. I'm sorry. Dang. Couldn't let it go. Um... How many of you know that, that you've got to have a plan? And, 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 and wise people invest. Now, now listen, I'm not just, let me talk about investing, then we're going to move off. When I talk about investing, I'm not just talking about savings and 401, and, and yes, you need to do all that. But you know what else you should do with your finances? You should invest it into your own personal growth. 
was having this conversation with my wife. And I told her, part of the reason that I read as much as I read, and I think last year I read about 23 books. It was a slow year for me. I'm trying to, get, I'm trying to read more, believe it or not. I, I like reading. And if I could, I'd read all day. I, I just can't. That's not a good investment of my time. But, but, uh, but um, I'm on my third book of 2022 already. And I told my wife, like, the reason I like to read so much is because I'm not going back to college. Like, I'm done. If I go back to college, there's only one degree to go and get, and that's a doctor. I ain't, I ain't feeling that, okay? So, so I've done all the school I can do, but I'm not done growing. So I invest into my personal growth. You know what you should be investing your money in? Invest into doing things that brings your family together. Okay? If you're just spending your money frivolously, you're, I've talked to some people like, Pastor, my family, we ain't been on a vacation in God knows how many years. And I'm like, that, you, you need to take better care of your money. You need to take your family out and make some memories. But, you know, it's like, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, I look at the way they dress, they live, and what they drive. And I'm like, but you ain't gone on vacation yet? priorities people like priorities you get what i'm saying when you're stewarding your finances you're making not just smart decisions with your money but you're investing into the things that matter invest in the things that don't just bring a good return but they bring an eternal return as well and that's how why we give to god through the local church and here's the last thing on finances Write this down. Be a generous person. How many just love generous people? I love me a generous person. I mean, because what's the opposite? Stingy? Well, like, how many are going to, I'm not going to ask, how many love a stingy person? You're like, well, what kind of question is that? But, but, and, and yet, if we're not trying to become generous, we will default to being stingy. So we got to move towards generosity. Proverbs 11:24 says this, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. This is quickly becoming one of my favorite Bible verses. I just love how pragmatic it is. It's like, be stingy, and you're going to lose everything. But if you are generous, you'll become more wealthy. Why? Because the Bible teaches this, this principle that God gives seed to the sower. God gives seed to the sower, meaning the more you sow, the more seed he's going to give you. But if he puts some seed in your hands and you never sow it, there's no more to give. And it's this open-handed living, right? So if God puts something in your hand and you close your hands, it's mine. Well, two things happen. Number one, you're not opening your hand to share with others. And now that your hands are closed, you're not in a posture to receive anymore. So God can't give you anymore. Because you have this close-handed living. But if you live open-handed, if you become a generous person, not only are you postured in a way to give, give, to give stuff away, give resources away, give away what God has given you, but you're also living in a way where you can receive more from God. And, and so we've got to become a person of generosity. It is a lifestyle of generosity. And, and I hope we all move there together, Lighthouse Church, because a healthy person is a generous person. Trust me, a healthy person ain't a stingy person. I, I, I can tell you story after story about people that I've met, people that I've known, family members that were so stingy with their money. And for a season, maybe it was like, man, look at all that money I got. And then I saw chaos and catastrophe happen in their life, and they lost it all. Why? Because they didn't trust God with their finances. And I want to get you to this place where you absolutely trust God with your finances. Now, now. Again, when you have a stewardship plan, you have what's called margin in your life. Does that sound familiar? We talked about margin last week, having margin in your life. Got to have margin in your finances too. You'll never be a generous person if you don't have margin. And when you have margin, when you hear of a need, you can meet a need. But, but, but if you're always living paycheck to paycheck and you built no margin into your home and into your household then there's no opportunity for you to be generous. So where do you start? Start small. Cut back on some things. Find a way to reduce what you've spent. Create some margin in your life and look for an opportunity to be generous. It doesn't have to be huge. It could be something as small as buying someone a cup of coffee, but you start to do little generous things, they snowball. And watch how God begins to put more and more and more and more and more and more into your hands. We've trusted God with our finances. Now, I got this little resource. It's a very small book. It's called Worry-Free Finances, and I brought a bunch of these today because I would like to get this resource into some of your hands because I'm going to move on and talk about health, and I'm going to talk about emotion, emotional health as well, physical health and emotional health, but there's so much more that I need for you to get. I, I don't want for you to get. I, I need for you to get this in your spirit, Lighthouse Church. And so there is this resource called Worry-Free Finances, and immediately after the service, I have this resource available for you 
and it's only three bucks. And you might be wondering, well, what, Pastor Jay? Why don't you just give it away? Because if I give it away, it's going to sit on your coffee table and you're never going to read it. And if you're not willing to invest in yourself, don't ask me to invest in you. Uh, ooh, I know, tough, right? Like, dang, pastor. That's Jack. But, but isn't that true? Has anyone ever come up to you and asked you to invest in them and they've not first invested into themselves? How does that make you feel? Like, do you really believe in that dream of yours? Well, let me see some hustle, right? Like, let me see you move a little bit. I teach my son Jaden how to hustle, and he's doing a great job. I, I literally taught my son how to hustle. A couple of years ago, he wanted money to do something. I taught him how to use OfferUp. <laughs> Did I have to do it? No. But he was asking me to buy him something, and I said, you got a lot of toys you don't play with. Why don't we start by selling those? You want me to invest in you? Invest in yourself. And next thing you know, my son's selling all of his old toys. Toys he hadn't touched in years. There's nothing wrong with teaching your kids a little hustle, mom and dad. Stop giving them everything. And then wonder why they don't want to do anything around the house. I know, I was supposed to talk about parenting, but you got me there, all right? So listen, invest into yourself. This is going to be right at the start here, canopy, three bucks. I'm only covering the cost. I'm actually not even covering costs. And again, I would give it away to you, but I'm curious to see who would actually invest $3 into bettering their financial health. I'm curious to see who would actually invest $3. Don't, and then don't come back up to me and say, Pastor Josh, we caught all kinds of money problems at the church. We got all kinds of money problems at home, Pastor Josh. And it's like, you know what? Have you, have you made any changes? Have you done anything? Have you had a conversation? So that's financial health. I don't want you to worry. I don't want you stressed out over money. So we got that resource available for you. But let me jump into the next topic real quick. Let's talk about physical health. So let me look at your neighbor and tell them physical health. Before y'all get super spiritual on me and say, Pastor Josh, the Bible don't care what I look like. I'm getting a glorified body when I get to heaven anyway. Read the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Fast forward to verse 8. This will bring health. Somebody say health. Health, health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Now, now. What the writer basically says is this. If you make wise decisions, you're going to have good health. I know, I know, right there. Mind blown, right? Pastor, that seems so simple. Well, is it simple? Is it simple? I think, I think we'd have a better health picture, a physical health picture, if we made better decisions. Think about this for a second. Uh, and I know, I don't know my audience in the room. I got some young kids in the room right now. You could probably pound down a $6 hot and ready from Little Caesars, a bag of Takis and a Coke, and in three hours be hungry again. Now others in the room, when I said all that, you started feeling like an acid reflux, like <laughs> just at the mention of it, you're like, like oh, pastor, you, and how many know the older you get, you can't eat like that no more? I mean, we all have these, we all have these moments, right, where we realize, I, I shouldn't be doing that no more. Can I give you my story? Come on, I love my stories. Let me tell you my, my urgent care story. <laughs> yeah, with a segue like that. So do y'all remember last March, we had pastors Carlos and Amanda Campa here. We actually sold into them. They were launching a church, and they planted a church down in Barrio Logan. And, well, we wanted to take them out to nice dinner, so we took them out to one of my favorite Italian restaurants, Buena Forchetta. That's out there on Encinitas Boulevard. And that day, I felt like having a steak, so I ordered the filet mignon. You know what I mean? And so I, I order the filet. I eat the filet. And I'm driving home, and all of a sudden, my body's like, dude, what in the world did you put inside of me? And I remember that pain just would not go away. I drank coffee because I thought coffee helps everything. You know, like, <laughs> surely that's going to make me feel better. <laughs> so fast forward to the e fast forward and I'm in urgent care <laughs> wondering what in the world is going on and the doctors the doctor comes in it's a kind of funny story because I'm in there and there's a young doctor who's helping me he's like man I can't figure out what's going on next thing in an older doctor comes into the room nicest guy it was kind of a cool moment to see the mentorship between the young doctor and the older doctor older doctor comes in doesn't throw any shade on the young guy just says hey I know we've done all kinds of things and we can't figure out what's going on with you I'm gonna do one more thing is that okay with you sure doctor let's figure out what's going on with me because okay we're gonna give you a sonogram and I'm like I'm not pregnant like why would you give me a sonogram I know some of the kids in the room are learning a whole lot today 
but the, the, but the doctor's like, we're going to do a sonogram. I'm going to have a look inside and see what the gender is. And he's making fun. You know, and I'm laughing. I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, we're going to check for stones. And I'm like, oh, Lord, have mercy. So there they go, and they check. And, and I had some gallbladder stones. I didn't realize I had stones living rent-free in my body. <laughs> doctor's like, oh, there it is. There it is. He's like, you got some stones in there. And, I, and so anyway, fast forward, and I asked him, well, what, what do I need to do? Are we going to zap him? Are we going to take him out? Like, what's going to happen? He's like, no, no, no. Just clean up your diet. That was it. No, 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 no. Just clean up your diet. He said, what you have? I told him about what I had. He said, yeah, you can't eat that no more. Why not? Because you're 40. You can't eat like that anymore, okay? And, and so that's really the first point that I want for you to write down. Tell your neighbor, know your season. You got to know your season. <laughs> so again, you can't, you're 40 years old. You can't eat a whole pizza and a bag of takis and a Coke anymore. It's one thing when you're in seventh grade. It's an entirely different thing when you're 40 years old. And in that moment, I'm thinking like, okay, let's just do surgery. Let's get it out. The doctor's like, no, you're going to change your diet. And, and, and that's a good thing, isn't it? I know a lot of us want the American fix. Hey, we're America. Get it out of there. It's like, no, discipline. Don't eat like that anymore. You're not a teenager. Okay, doc. So now I can't eat the filet mignon. It's high in saturated fat. I didn't know that. I'm learning. But you got to know your season. Number two, you got to know your goals. You, I hope you all have some goals for your financial health, for your physical health. You've got to know who you are trying. You got, you, you got to know who you're becoming. I don't even have time to really pull on this. But if I looked at you and if I hung out with you for the last two weeks, I will tell you who you are becoming. Because a lot of times we focus on the future. This is who I want to be. But you do good to stop and focus on who you are simply becoming. What you are doing is telling you who you are becoming. So if you ain't hit the gym in the last two weeks, you aren't becoming a person who takes care of their body. If you've been eating like a seventh grader, you aren't becoming a person that's going to have good health. Now, if you're a seventh grader, go on ahead, all right? But I'm not talking to you, okay? You're lucky. Enjoy your season, all right? If you get about my age, it's all going to change. It's all going to change. Can I get a good amen from all the adults that are seeing it? But I love this statement. Goals help us move from where we are to where we want to be. So, so where, where do you want to be? Put some goals down and move in the direction of your goals. And, and you know, <laughs> this last thing. I'm, I'm going to move on. La last thing. How many of you know, because, again, I could stay there for a long time, but I'm going to get away from it. All right. La last point on physical health. All right. You, your physical health and I'm going to use this as a segue, affects your mental health. Your, your physical health affects your mental health. That, that, that's why they're all linked together. So we're going to know our goals, we're going to know our season, and we're also going to know how physically, how I treat my body affects this up here. I, I remember counseling a young man. He came to my office, and um, I used to be the youth pastor, and I was no longer a youth pastor. I'm working as executive pastor now. It's a little different role, but I still had some of those youth that still came to me because I had been a pastor and a voice into their life for so many years. Young man comes into the room. He's older now. He's in his mid-20s. He's like, Pastor Josh, man, I'm just suffering with insomnia, Pastor Josh. Would you pray for me? And I'm like, before I pray, <laughs> what are you doing all day? So we, we, we started to dig in to how he spends his time. And then I said, hey, I noticed you didn't have exercise in there anyway. Oh, come on, Pastor John. Like, no, no, I'm not trying to shame you. I'm just saying, I don't see you exercising anywhere. And you're telling me that you can't sleep at night. But if I sat on the couch all day and did nothing, I'd have a hard time sleeping at night too. Because you've rested all day. And he lived at the top of a hill, so I gave him some of the best pastoral advice I could give him. You're going to start doing hill repeats every single day. You're going to run to the bottom of the hill. You're going to run up to the top of the hill. You're going to run to the bottom of the hill. You're going to run to the top. You're going to start off and do as many as you can do. And each week, you're going to add one to it. And then let's talk about your insomnia after that. About one week into it, I said, how are you doing? Because I'm sleeping like a baby. <laughs> you don't have insomnia. You just need to work out. 25 years old. Your body needs to burn its energy. Had another young man. The doctor put him on antidepressants came and talked to me, says, I'm on antidepressants. Uh, same thing. What are you doing with your time? <laughs> Some of you are going to be like, I'm never talking to Pastor Josh. 
so I bought him a pair of running shoes. It was around Christmas time. So my wife and I said, took him to the store. And I don't know if he knows, but a good pair of running shoes, running shoes will cost you at least $100. So I took him to the running store. We got him fitted. You got to get fitted. You guys are like, fitted? Yeah, you got to get fitted for a good running shoe. Some of you, the reason you have a lot of pain running is because you got the wrong shoes on your feet. All right? That one's for free. All right? So I'm like, we're going to get you fitted. So they came. They, they got his foot, all of that, the arch, the pronation, all of that. It's like, all right, this is the shoe that you need. Put the shoes on him. He starts running. Why? Because when you start running, your body starts creating endorphins. And, and all of a sudden, it gets you into, you ever heard of this term called a runner's high? You can get high without smoking anything. <laughs> that was a revelation for some of you in the tent. They're like, really? Gonna cancel that March and Ash subscription. My God, it's like I started making him run. All of a sudden, I'm like, how you feeling, Pastor? I feel so much better. Listen, your physical health affects your emotional health, and 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 so let's dive now into that. When we talk about emotional health, and I'm really gonna address two big things right now. I I don't have time to go into everything, but I do want to talk about anxiety and I want to talk about depression because those are on the rise. And those have spiked since 2020. You know why. And, and so anxiety and depression have absolutely spiked and it's getting out of control. And we as a nation aren't doing enough to help people with that. Now, I'm going to preface this and tell you guys that I am a theology and a business major. I think that's important. Okay, I'm a pastor. Okay. Um, so what I'm going to tell you is not anything that I grab from academia, but I read a lot and I read from people who went to the classroom and actually studied. So I'm going to preface this and say that I'm not a doctor. And, 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 and if you genuinely need help and support emotionally, go and get professional help, church. There is nothing wrong with getting professional help if you need professional help. And I will pray with you. And I will point you to Bible scriptures, but there'll probably come a point in time if I can't help you where I'll tell you it's time to go see somebody. It's time to go and see someone. And I'm glad that in recent years, the church has removed the stigma off of that. So, you know, I I grew up in a generation where you never saw anyone. If you saw anyone, that meant you didn't have faith in God. And that was just bad advice. And, I, and we would go to pastors, and they weren't qualified to talk about this stuff. So, so just know that I'm saying this, and I'm going to give you some advice here, you know, from the Word of God and, and, and things that I've read. But if you need professional help, go and get professional help. But, but here's what I've learned about anxiety and depression. There are seven major causes of anxiety and depression, and only two of them are chemical. Okay? You, you, you could have a neurological chemical imbalance. There are two things you need professional help, you need medical help. Go and get the help, okay? But there are five that are within your control. So, yes, absolutely. If someone has anxiety and depression, and if they need medical help, go and get it. That's not what I'm going to talk to you about right now, okay? So these five things are talking to you about the things that you do control, the things that you can control, the things that you could do something about. Does that sound good, church? So, so number one, we've got a problem with life imbalances, we have a problem with life imbalances. I read this quote from Stephen Alardi from the book, The Depression Cure. He says, we were never designed for the sedentary, indoor, socially isolated, fast food laden, sleep deprived, frenzy pace of modern life. Some of you, I just read your obituary. It's like slept a lot, ate a lot of fast food. And it's just like, you know what I'm saying? It's like this type of lifestyle that is getting normalized our bodies were not designed for you, you, we just got to take inventory right now and know that a lot of the lifestyle and parents if you allow your children to form these habits just know their bodies weren't designed for it and then we wonder why is the body breaking well you're doing something with it the body was never supposed to do and so if you misuse something it will eventually break including your body and so, again, we talked about this last week when we talked about rest, so I'm not going to deep dive into it again, but I just want to let you know that for those of you that are living this type of life, you got to start making changes. That's why, again, we're talking about financial changes and we're talking about physical changes because I want you to get better. I want all of you to be the best version of yourself that God created. 
And, and so if, 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 you're, if you're becoming this person, again, what have I been doing the last two weeks? That's who you're becoming. If you're becoming this person, we've got, got to make a change. Stop, hard pivot, make a change. Now, I totally get seasons of life. I was just having this conversation on Friday with a really good friend of mine. And I told him that from September to December, I felt like I couldn't catch up. And we went through major changes last year. My wife started a new job. She started commuting 50 miles a day just to get to work one way. So you multiply that by two. I don't feel like doing the math. So 100 miles a day, she's commuting now. 50 miles up, 50 miles down daily. So now I'm having to do a lot more at the house with my kids. So now I'm getting them up, getting them out the door, taking them to school. And then thank God for my mom who came in clutch. She probably saw that I was at my breaking point. So she started helping me by picking up the kids after school. That's what grandmothers do. Can I get a good amen? How many y'all grateful for your mamas and your daddies if you still got them and they're still helping with the kids? Yeah. So, so you know, this happened and then we moved because, you know, that was going to continue forever. So six weeks of, of this crazy pace of life, and then we make the move. But now I'm the one commuting, and I'm taking my kids 50 miles to get to their school down in Chula Vista because they had to finish off the month. So we do, do this all the way through the end of, of November, and then now it's December. My kids start a brand-new school. I mean, that's, it's, it's a hard shift getting them a new school, new friends. I want to make sure they're good. And they only went to school for two weeks because it's this Christmas break. And I'm like, I can't find the rhythm. It's too much. Now, I say all that because I probably felt the most unhealthy that I have felt in a really long time because I went through a crazy season. And I was used to hitting the gym four or five times a week. And then it was like once on a good week, I'd make it to a gym. And again, emotionally, I was not as strong as I used to be. Why? Because of the physical toll. Do you guys see how all of this is related? How all of this is affected? And, and so I was not in the greatest space. And it felt like, you know, the third week in January, and it was like barely, like we were like, oh, I think we're in a routine. We're in a rhythm. She's not traveling. I'm not traveling. Kids are now acclimated to school. I wish, sometimes I wish there was no Christmas break. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, just keep them, you know? But, but <laughs> I'll bring them home early on Christmas day. But you go through all these changes, and finally we get into this rhythm, we get into this routine, and things have been going better. But, but I felt like life was going crazy, and that's why you have to unhurry your life. you got to have a good life balance. Let me give you Ecclesiastes 4.6. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. What is that talking about? You're working so hard, trying for more, 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 more. You have a completely unsustainable pace of life. And the writer says, man, just have one handful rather than chasing two handfuls. You get two handfuls and, and now you're, you're tired and you're chasing after the wind. And I'm coming to a close right now. Sometimes less is more. You've got to unhurry your life. You've got to create some more mi- margin. Then you need to get the rest that you need. So look at your life imbalances, okay? Look at your life imbalances. Next thing, another thing that really puts us, spikes up anxiety and depression, isolation and loneliness. Somebody say isolation. Isolation. Say loneliness. Loneliness. When when the the government started calling calling our response to this pandemic social distancing, that was was a really bad name to call it. That was a really bad name. Probably should have called it physical distancing. Because socially, we did not need to distance from one another. We needed each other socially more than we ever needed each other. And, and that can happen not being physically in the same space. Thank God for Zoom, Google Hangouts, and all that, right? Google Meets. Thank God for ways. But, but I think a lot of people did socially isolate. I think a lot of people did separate, completely cut people off. I think a lot of people did get extremely lonely over the last few years. And, and, and isolation and loneliness was not how God designed us. We were designed to do life and to live and be in community with other people. That, that's how God hardwired us. This is why next month, as Mel mentioned just a minute ago, our connect groups start again. We have three seasons of small groups here at this church. I'm trying to get you into a community where you can have relationships and friendships and do life together with people because that's the way that we were design. And we also have the dream team, which you can be a part of all these serving teams. They don't just come and serve, but they're family. That's a friendship. That's, that's a network right there. And God created us for that. Let me, let me just get you thinking on something. In the six days of creation, every time God would create something, he would say, 
and he saw that it was good, right? That's what we read in Genesis after the first day. And he saw that it was good. Second day of creation, and he saw that it was good. Third day of creation, and he saw that it was good. All the way to the sixth day of creation. And what does the Bible say all of a sudden? Day six, and God saw it's not good for man to be alone. The first problem in this world wasn't even sin. The first problem was the problem of loneliness. Before the devil started talking to Eve in the form of a serpent, God looked at Adam all by himself and said, oh, that's not good. That's how much you need to know that you were designed to be in community. God creates everything, heaven and the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, land, water, animals. And God, it's always, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then he sees an isolated man and he says, that's not good. Isolation and loneliness is not good. You've got to have people. You've got to have your people. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, my people. I like that language. You ever hear people use that language? Like, these are my people. I like that. You got to have your people. Here's the last one, and I'm closing with this. Stop comparing ourselves with others. Stop comparing yourselves. And, and this is really important. And I hope, young people, you kind of lean in now. I, I know I wasn't talking to you when I was talking about physical health. Let me talk to you now about comparing yourselves with others, okay? Because Theodore Roosevelt said this, comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. You could, you can get something new and it's absolutely new to you and it's something that you wanted and the minute you pull up to someone who also has something new and it might be like one model above yours and all of a sudden you're feeling less good about your thing. How many ever done that? You get something and you're like, man, I wanted this. And you're like, oh, but that one has that. Wait a second. You were really excited to have this. But the minute you started looking over at what your neighbor had, all of a sudden your joy starts to be robbed because you're comparing yourself with someone else. And what has perpetuated this has been social media. Because social media is everybody's highlight reel. And you are constantly looking at someone's feed and wondering why your life isn't like that, comparing your life to their life, comparing your stuff to their stuff. And you need to know that what they are showing you isn't everything. You're looking at the highlights. You're not seeing where they've fallen short. You're not seeing the mistakes they've made. You're not seeing the areas of their life where they are just like you and so social media is an incredible tool when used correctly but it can absolutely wreck you when all you are doing is comparing yourself to people listen to me young person in the room don't compare your life with someone else's life don't compare your stuff with someone else's stuff if you want something if you need something young person go out and have a conversation with your parents and make it happen if you need something I remember uh, I, I've shared this story before, but not all of you have heard it. I remember I wanted to go to Bible college. I was 19 years old, really felt this tug. And so I talked to my dad and I said, I want to go to Bible college. And I needed to put $2,500 down to get into the school. That was like my deposit to get into the school. And I remember saving $2,000 and thinking, man, I got enough. So I go to my dad thinking my dad's going to chip me up the last $500. Mm hmm Go to my dad. I'm like, Dad, got $2,000. And, and, and my dad did what every good, good dad should do. He said, oh, Josh, I'm sorry. You're 500 short. <laughs> I was like, what? You're not going to help me out? I remember going up to my bedroom, going up to my bedroom and thinking, man, I, I really want to go. Doesn't he know this is the call of God on my life? You know what I mean? I'm sitting in my room. And I'm just like in my feelings, right? I'm like, where am I going to get $500? I'm thinking about this as I'm, as I'm staring at my drum set. I used to play the drums back in the day. I wasn't bad either. And I'm looking at my drum set, and I'm thinking, I think I'm just going to have to let my baby go. I need $500. And there was a brother at the church who had been after me about my drum set. He was like, if you ever sell your drum set, come talk to me first. So I took him up on that. I said, hey, I'm going to sell you my drum set if you're interested. Uh, $500. But you ain't getting my cymbals, you're not getting my pedal, and you're not getting my snare. 
All the drummers in the room, you know why. You know why. Like, you can sell it all. But yeah, Richard, right there, you're like, you don't get the snare, the cymbals, or the pedal. You need that. You know what I mean? It's like, I'll take that with me. So I took my cymbal, snare, and pedal to college. Played better than all them boys. Took over as top drummer. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. But um, I wanted something bad, and I made it happen. And uh, I, I think about how there was so much wisdom in, in, in my dad to make me do that because I learned a lesson in hustle. And that's why I'm teaching my son a lesson in hustling. So young person in the room, stop, stop comparing yourself. If, if you want something, go and have a conversation with mom and dad. And if you need it, you'll get it. And married people in the room, that applies to you too. Because... A lot of grown women turn into teenagers once they get on Instagram and they start watching what these other women, oh my God, look at this mom. Oh my, I wish I could be, she's a perfect mom. There's no perfect mom. And you, no, listen to me. I've seen a lot of women feel like they are inadequate because they're comparing themselves to that social media mom. Don't do that to yourself. Do not do that to yourself. Her kids are not your kids. Her money's not your money. Her reality, well, just keep in mind, you're looking at the highlight reel, okay? But, but, but this has put a lot of women in a bad place where, where they're like, I'm not good enough because you're constantly looking at some other mom. It's weird. I don't think it affects men quite the same way. It just kind of rolls off our back. But, um, you know, I know that this is something that women just like really struggle with. So, so moms, we love you. We see you. You are enough. Can we clap our hands for all the moms in the room? Hey, you're more than enough. Giving your kids what they need. You don't need to give them everything they want. But you need to give them everything they need, okay? But we're not going to compare ourselves. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to close with this. Imagine what this church would look like if everyone started getting healthy in these areas. Imagine what you would look like. Let, let's, let's let me talk about the church. Imagine what your marriage would look like if physically y'all got healthy, financially y'all got healthy, and you did the steps you needed to do to get emotionally healthy. What would your home look like? What environment would that create for your little kids at home, for those of you that got little kids? That, that, that's why, men, we talked about this last week. Your kids deserve your best. Don't bring your A game to your boss and come home and bring your D game to your kids. You stay in that driveway long enough that it takes to decompress, hit the switch, and go home and give your son the best because your kids need the best version of you. Mom, your kids need the best version of you. Don't be wrecking yourself, comparing yourself to some other social media mom. Be you. Be the best you. That's all your kids need. Imagine if we all got healthy in these areas. What, what would your marriage look like? What would you look like? How would your children respond? How, how would your children feel if they got this upgraded version of mom? Not the mom that's constantly comparing herself to someone else. Not the mom that's spending way more than she should. Can't even take the kids out to go through, make the investment back into them. Not the mom who's living out of, at a very hurried pace and there's no margin. Not slowing down enough to be present. Church, let's get these things right. Let's get these things right. And, and, and I want to thank my wife and all of the women who did a phenomenal job last Friday at the Vision Night. Let's give it up for all the ladies. I hope y'all had a good time at the Vision Night. Started seeing these hashtags, like hashtag steak girl. I was like, what is that, you know? But I hear my, I, I wish someone would have recorded it because everyone said my wife crushed it last Friday night. But I just started hearing about all these women upgrading their dreams, you know, order the steak and all these other things. And she started debriefing that with me because I was like, order the steak? What were y'all talking about at that women's night? And I'm not going to go into it, but, but I love the language. I love the ambition. And in all of that, y'all, let's just get healthy. Can we commit to that? Let's commit to getting healthy with that. Let's all stand to our feet. I know this was a very practical take-home message. Next week, I tell you, I promise you, we're going to pivot from this conversation. Next week, we are closing out 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm going to be preaching in an entirely different flow. I'll just say this. If you're sick, you better come next week. If you got a family member who's sick, bring them to church next week. Next week, we're going to spend an extensive amount of time praying for the sick. And we're going to be praying for people who are in need. And we're going to believe that God is going to heal bodies. And we're going to believe that God is going to bring miraculous provision. We're going to do all of that next week. But today, and how many know some days, you just need to read a proverb. 
I know we like the book of Acts and we like to hang out there in the supernatural stuff. But there's just some wisdom in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and you just got to get wisdom and you just got to get this stuff and deposit it into your spirit. So right there we are. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? If any of this hit in a particular area, start having a conversation with God about it. Maybe you need to pray right now. God, I need to stop comparing myself to other people. Help me to make the steps that I need to make to stop comparing myself to other people. You've called me to be me, and I I don't know why I lose myself. I I get sucked into this world of social media, looking at what other people are doing and comparing my life with their highlight reels and always walking away feeling insufficient and feeling inadequate. God, would you give me the wisdom to break away from that? Would you give me the wisdom to shut, shut that down? Would you give me the wisdom, Father, to move on from those feelings? Would you give me the wisdom, Father, to not allow that space to invade my mind and invade my heart? Would you free me from that, Father? For some of you in the room right now, you, you really need to make a commitment to your physical health because your children need the best version of you. Your children need the best version of their dad. Your, your children needs a dad that can run around and play with them. Your, your children needs a dad that's going to be here for a really long time. They, they need a dad that can keep pace with them. Some of you men before God right now need to have a conversation. Start putting a game plan together and figuring that stuff out because your kids need you. Your, your kids need the best version of you. For some of you, you've just been living way beyond your means and it's putting pressure on your marriage. Come on, just pray over that. Just, I know it's hard to pray over. I know it's a tough thing to, to deal with, but just have a conversation with God right there. Father, help me to get these things back in place. Help me, God, not to allow these things to eat away at my life. Help me, Father, to not allow these things to eat away at me. It's, it's, it's hurting my marriage. It's hurting my children. I haven't been able to spend time with my kids. I haven't taking my family on a vacation because my spending is completely out of control. God, would you help me to fix that? God, would you help me to get better in that area, Father? In your name we pray. In your name we pray. In your name we pray. We're going to go into a time of worship right now. We're going to have Pastor Joe and the team lead us. But again, whatever you're feeling God leading you to do, Lighthouse, do that. Stop by that. Start here, Canopy, after church. Get this resource. I'm going to hang out. I know this is a down-home message, but I'm going to hang out. Come talk to me. You want to talk about something? Come talk to me. Come talk to my wife. Come talk to our pastors. We have incredibly healthy pastors here at this church. I'm just talking about in this area. I'm so proud of all the pastors at Lighthouse Church who just live so well, do such a good job. Run down some pastors. But Lighthouse Church, I just want to let you know we love you so much. We care so much for you. We absolutely want the best for you. We're going to go out and worship. We love you. We'll see you next Sunday for the close of our time of fasting. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.